Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, budgeteers. Thanks for joining us again. My name is Coach Nino Villa, alongside my partner on the airways, as always, Sarah Jones. And today, we want to talk to you about communicating about money. Uh, for anybody who might not know, one of the leading causes of divorce is arguing and financial problems. And so let's talk about how to communicate, not only with your spouse about money, but we can also dive into how to communicate with your kids about money or other family and loved ones. Um, as you know, we'd like to kind of tackle the, tab the taboo here. So we're going to really peel back the onion today on how do you talk to those that you care about most about one of the most sensitive subjects on the planet, your money. Oh, and you know, this is a tough one. Um, you know, we, so during this episode, there might be a whole lot of my own personal experience coming out because, um, you know, I've been very open with talking about my husband and I struggle and a lot of it stemmed from not communicating well not knowing um, how to, quite honestly, how to ask the right questions and then allowing all those past hurts, right? All the past times that we tried to have a conversation around money, have them keep coming back up over and over and over again. And so each time you try to say something like the hair on the back of your neck's already standing up, right? You go into each additional conversation with kind of this, um, like, eek, this is going to turn out bad, so I'm going to put all my defensive layers up, right? And, mm -hmm. and um, you know, we um, were on the verge of divorce twice. Um, oh, wow. A lot of it over money issues. And, you know, money hits every area of our life. In one way or another, money hits. It, it doesn't have to be the, the main focus, but it hits every area of our, our lives. And so... For us, you know, the fighting started and we just, we didn't know how to communicate. Um, I felt attacked a lot of times. Um, I would say something, my husband, uh, for a long time, he doesn't so much anymore, thankfully, but every time we'd start to have a conversation, he felt like it was a confrontation, right? And so he just shuts down. He doesn't like confrontation. So what we were creating was he thought it was a confrontation. I was feeling attacked. So I was probably quite frankly attacking him. Right. And, mm. and we were getting nowhere and getting nowhere quick. Um, and maybe like most people, it was similar. You know, our conversations start off like, you know, what are we paying this month? How are we paying the bills? How are we going to get out of debt? You know, how, Paycheck. Nope. We can't afford that. Nope. I'm sorry. You want that? Nope. It's right. And, and because I handled a lot of the, like the budgeting, I say we, mm -hmm. at that time we weren't necessarily budgeting, but I did know how much was coming in and how much was in our accounts. And I knew that there was very little for any extra type stuff. Right. And he always felt like, dang, I'm working so hard and, and there's nothing like, why am I working so hard? Why am I gone all of these hours? And, um, I felt attacked when he would ask that because I felt I was the one doing most of it. So I felt like, well, am I doing something wrong? You know, and, and just led to 
a lot of tears, a lot of frustration. Um, and I don't know if you can relate, but I know a lot of my clients can relate to, and even just our friends, you know, having conversations and being open to, you know, is this you? <sighs> Boy, I feel for you. Yeah, I, re- I can relate. I mean, I remember, um, early in my wife's and my courtship. So before we were even married, um, we had relocated from Las Vegas to, to Phoenix and things got really tight really quickly. And, uh, I remember there would be arguments about how much can we spend on this or that or the other thing for all the same reasons you just said, which mm-hmm. is there wasn't a plan there was, mm-hmm. And so there wasn't anything to communicate. I was the one handling the finances at the time. And since there wasn't a plan, it wasn't like I could say, well, look, this is how much money came in and these are our expenses and this is what was left over. And so how do we want to allocate the leftover? There was none of that mm-hmm. yet. It was, hey, we just got paid and like we're already behind on these other things. And so, no, you can't have that. And, and. I remember at one point my wife sharing with me, she felt like she had to come to me and ask permission as if I was mm. her father for money. And that's never healthy no. in a relationship. Um, I feel blessed that that was a very long time ago and, <laughs> and things have been very different for a very long time, but yeah, it, it, there's, mm. it, it's very relatable. Yeah. You know, I think we went through, you know, very similar stuff, even in the beginning. And, you know, what was interesting was even trying to put together a plan or a budget because we weren't communicating very well. And those kind of those money fights had already started. Even putting together a plan was very difficult because we didn't know how to talk about it and how to do one, right? How to put those numbers down. Um, Mm -hmm. So they were effective. And, you know, I started doing a little bit of research. And what I found was, is I don't know why this was new, but you know what? It hit me <laughs> like, duh, Sarah, men and women feel very differently about money and mm-hmm. it affects us very differently. And I will be completely honest. I never, I didn't take it into consideration how he felt about money and what was important to him because I had never asked because it never frankly occurred to me. I knew that some things, some of our goals were different, but I didn't know at that time how we felt about money and how different it was. Um, and so I started doing some research and, you know, what I learned was, and this is going to be a very general um, observation, but in my experience, men want their work to be validated, right? They're working very hard. Typically, I'm not saying women don't, but typically um, men are more the breadwinners of the home, right? And, and working, earning more than women. And they want their work to be <clears throat> validated um, and their effort to be appreciated. And when there's more money in the bank account, oftentimes men feel more successful. Women we want our situation to feel understood. We want to feel understood by men. And you know, the, there's that meme that reminds me of the meme, you know, like the book to understand men is like, you know, a millimeter thick, right. But women, it's like a mile, (laughs) like, you know, so, I mean, the argument could be made, you know, maybe women are hard to understand, but you know, we just want the situation. We want to feel um, like we've got a good grasp on it. And we like oftentimes to look ahead 
and make plans to address the current concerns that are coming up. You know, how are we going to handle this in the future? And for a lot of us women, having money in a savings account, not necessarily the checking, but having money in a savings account helps us to feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. And when I started researching and putting this stuff together, things started to make a little bit more sense to me. And I felt like it was powerful, right? It was powerful just to understand from his perspective, how he might be feeling, right? He doesn't talk about his feelings a whole lot, but how we might really be feeling about, dang, I'm working a lot and there's nothing left for me, you know, because here I am, me telling him, nope, nope, you can't go out with the guys because there is no free money available here, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, when I started figuring that out, you know, what I started to incorporate and I had to talk with him, I said, listen, what we've been doing hasn't been working. So can we be open to trying something new? One thing that I suggest to people is make a space to have conversations about your finances with your partner, Mm -hmm. right? Create a space to do that. We're busy. A lot of times honestly, we're planning a wedding or we're trying to talk about this, or we've got kids running around, right? And we're both working and life is busy. And so we might have these little bits and pieces of conversations throughout the day, right? Dinner's being made, getting the kids loaded or unloaded from the car and, you know, just quick, but finances need to be a priority in our life. And I don't mean just making a lot of money, but making our plan with them, making how we use our dollars, they need to be a priority in our life. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. I mean, obviously, obviously you're right. Let me say that. (laughs) Communicating about your money is incredibly important and it should be a top priority. Uh, As I said at the top, one of the leading causes for divorce Mm -hmm. is arguing and when you peel that back and you ask yourself what are you arguing about there's usually Mm -hmm. three things that people are arguing about and that is money kids and like all the other stuff that we don't talk about on this show like religion and politics (laughs) right right so when you're not on the same page financially what and this is regardless of how much money you make Right? Yeah, to your absolutely. point, it's not, it's not about the priority being, we have to make as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It is, I, I work with couples who bring in a quarter of a million dollars a year and they're having the same arguments that a couple who makes $75,000 a year are mm-hmm. having. And it's because they're just not on the same page. They're not communicating about their, uh, their financial situation, their financial goals, and just mm-hmm. how they plan on managing money. You know, sometimes I also think back to early in in my courtship with Christina, it was um, I'd make a lot of suggestions on how I thought the money should be handled. Mm-hmm. And she was very agreeable. But then as time went on, you know, even, even myself, it wasn't necessarily her, uh, her who decided or had thought maybe this isn't fair the way it's set up or whatever. I like over time, I might say, hey, I don't necessarily like the way we're handling the money. Um, let's kind of revisit it. But anyway, a um, bit of a tangent, just to say, 
you got to be talking about it and you got to be talking about Mm -hmm. how you want to manage it. Just like you have to be in agreement on how to raise kids, Mm -hmm. who's going to be the disciplinarian, how, how is discipline going to be, um, uh, given and and that sort of thing. And those are the types of conversations people should be having about their money is, right. Is it your money, my money, our money? Are we keeping it in one checking account, multiple checking accounts? Mm-hmm. Um, who's paying what bill? Like have conversations and just start <clears throat> peeling it back. Absolutely. And, and, you know, sometimes people are like, well, I don't know how to do that. And I would say, number one is you have to dedicate uninterrupted time to have that conversation. So schedule it in on your calendar, right? If you're scheduling in a date night, schedule in a conversation and make sure that it's uninterrupted. The kids are in bed, right? Or um, it's early in, earlier in the morning before they get up. But just take some time and plan that uninterrupted time for the two of you so you're able to actually sit down and have that conversation. And I say, this is a hard one for me, but come to that conversation with an open mind. No agenda. Mm-hmm. Just come and listen to what your partner has to say. Um, and one thing that I recommend to a lot of my clients is that don't respond. Allow your partner time to simply say what they're, they need to say, right? Ask the question. Allow them to, to allow yourself to listen and allow them the safe place to be able to just share what's on their mind. And don't respond. Yeah. That was a big one for me. Sarah, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> right? Just I li- listen. I like that because uh, as somebody who has plenty of thoughts and opinions, I'm <laughs> often also the type of person that as soon as I say something and I finally had a chance to say it out loud, I might in that moment reevaluate it myself mm-hmm. and say, you know what? That thought that that sounded a lot better in my head. I actually don't even like that thought. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. being able to have the space where I'm being heard and listened to, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I have to defend my position right away because I can kind of just say what's on my mind. A thought can leave my mind, come out of my mouth, and I can then immediately mm-hmm. walk it back and say, "You know what? That really sounded great in my head. Now that I said it out loud, I don't even like that idea myself." <laughs> Right. Right. And, but we need to allow ourselves, we need to allow that space for our partners. You know, we have to create that space. Really, it's not even for our partners. It's for our relationship. It's for ourselves. Because when we start to give that space and hold that space for our partners, get they're going to start doing the same thing for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's powerful. And I'm not talking hours long here, guys. <clears throat> 10 minutes, 15 minutes to start off with, right? Just holding that space, creating the environment that is conducive to having a good conversation. Um, Excuse me. And, you know, I, I like to approach it a little bit differently and I have different conversation starters that um, are very different. So, you know, I, um, I'd like to share a couple of these Um, and let me see your thoughts on these. Um, One thing that I love asking is, and what I recommend people, um, because I do recommend this, when you're having these conversations, ask your partner what they value spending money on. What do you value spending money on? 
Okay. So it's going to help to bring some of those priorities up that we always talk about are important to the plan. I like Mm -hmm. that one. And remember that we're trading our time for dollars, right? We're trading our time to earn money and money is a renewable where time is not. And so when we learn what our partners value spending money on, we know that that's something um, that they're giving their time for too, right? And so we know that that's a high priority that that we need to be listening to. Um, another question. Real quick, because you, you may mm-hmm. you may or may not be getting to this point too, um, but I am curious. So what happens when your partner shares something that's important to them, but mm-hmm. you don't seem to, to see the same value? Mm-hmm. Well, I think several things. I don't have to see the same value. Okay. I don't feel like we have to have exactly the same value. Um, it doesn't mean that we can't learn to compromise later on. But at the time when we're having these conversations, I want the goal to just be to allow my partner and my husband, you know, to speak freely and to, to share what's really on his mind. And I do think depending on the season of life that you're in, that's going to change. Mm. And so I would say for me, I don't necessarily have to share that same value. I might not like it. I don't have to like it, but I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not here to address it then. I think that's a, a later mm-hmm. conversation, right? It's a good reminder that that's that, that's that space that you're providing your partner to just answer the mm-hmm. question, you know, without mm-hmm. any um, response and certainly without any judgment or or anything like that. So I like that. Sure. And you know, you could follow it up on, you know, explain that to me, right? Walk me through it. Help me understand why is that important to you, right? So there could be a follow-up question to allow. And again, it might be one of those things that it sounded a lot better in their head, but once they said it out loud, you know, maybe that's not actually, you know, but mm-hmm. um, again, it's just giving them the opportunity. Um. I also like to ask, what does being financially comfortable look like for you? Ooh, financially comfortable. Hmm. I'm just trying to, I'm processing that one for myself. How would I answer that? Mm-hmm. It's another good one. It definitely gets somebody to start thinking. I still don't have an answer for that. Um mm-hmm. I'd have to give it some more thought. I like that one. That's another good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could probably answer this depending on how long we've been with our partners, but are you naturally a spender or a saver and why? Mm. <clears throat> you know what I like about that question though? Cause you bring mm-hmm. up a good point. We might know, we might think we know the answer. We might actually know the answer, but by asking the question, you're at least getting your partner to go through the, the mental activity of identify, identifying it for themselves mm-hmm. and kind of taking ownership of it. Because um, especially if it was unspoken beforehand, like if it's never mm-hmm. been spoken, if you never talked about it, it's a, it's a great question to kind of uh, get people to be self-reflective. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, you know, we always um, joke, and I won't tell you the whole joke because it, quite frankly, would be a little bit inappropriate for this podcast. But my husband, when I met him, 
had a fair amount of debt. Um, two or three credit cards, a personal loan, motorcycle, um, you know, truck payment, you know, these things. And, and I had a vehicle loan and I had a mortgage, um, and I had two small children. And so we always joke, you know, like, dang, how'd you get into that debt? You know, and here, you know, it's just, but I think we started off kind of on the wrong foot, but I always said, you know, you're the spender. And he always told me I was the saver because that's, again, it goes back to feeling safe and feeling comfortable having money in a savings account. Right. And for him now, he will tell you differently now because life is different, you know, and his eyes have been open to some different things, but he, um, having fun, you know, and he didn't actually think of his debt when we met as being a hindrance in his life. He mm. he was living life. And so it wasn't a big deal for him. And so asking that question, you know, are you a spender or a saver? Um, and what do you value spending money on? I think these can give you insights into your, your partner, into your spouse, into their lives a little bit deeper than we've probably really ever gone before in this area. Um, yeah. You know, and to, to go along with that, you know, what are your money and financial goals, right? Let's hear what our partners actually have to say in this area. What are, what are your goals? So that's another really good question because I think sometimes there are certain seasons of life that it might be really obvious or really easy to be on the same page. Let's say mm -hmm. you're renters, you're thinking about starting a family. And so maybe it's mm -hmm. natural for the two of you to be like, we want to be homeowners. And so mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're on the same page. But then there are these other seasons of life where maybe you've accomplished some of the bigger goals. Mm -hmm. And so now it's, it's a, it, you get to a point where you're almost asking yourself, now what? Yeah. What, what do we want to accomplish now? Um, so I like that question for that reason. And, you know, and I'll say too, you know, and, you know, in today's day and age, you know, my husband, when we met, you know, I, I had been married before and divorced and two young kids, he had never been married and he doesn't, you know, he didn't have um, children. And so when we got together and we got married, right, we're, we're blending different experiences and different things. So he didn't necessarily have the opportunity to, you know, he moved in with somebody, right, that, that I owned my home. Um, you know, and, and we kind of skipped, you know, kind of skipped some of those first together. Right. And so asking these questions because life can change and what you thought might happen versus what is happening, you know, it's always good to reevaluate it. You know, these aren't one-time questions. These can be asked in the different seasons that we're, we're living in too, because they will change. Um, for sure. I, I really like, um, what does retirement mean to you? I love that question. Now that's mm -hmm. one I have an answer for already. I work <laughs> because I want to, not because I have to. Yes. Like that, that's retirement. Mm -hmm. That's how I define retirement. I love that question. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people I found have never asked themselves. They think of it that it happens when you turn 65 or 67 and that's when retirement and oftentimes I'm going to have to work up until the day I die because I'll never be able to retire. Right now yeah. that goes into a little something different, but asking your partner, what does retirement mean to you? It allows you right to have some different conversations. And this goes into those money and financial goals, right? Then 
if that's what retirement means, then let's reverse engineer our life a little bit here, right? What are the steps that we need to be taken so some of that can happen? And I, and I love that too. And I, I want to just piggyback off of that for a second. Reverse engineer. Mm-hmm. Talk about talk about like what a great way to to achieve a goal is you state that goal and start to reverse engineer. And to your point earlier, a lot of people see retirement as an age. It's mm-hmm. an age that you achieve. And no, if if retirement is more about being financially free, which goes back to one of your questions about what does what was the question about what does financially, being financially comfortable? comfortable? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Well, then what does financial freedom look like? Mm-hmm. And financial freedom is, is that thing that, like I said a moment ago, I work because I have to, not because. Mm-hmm. No. You work because you <laughs> no, want to. No. Yeah. <laughs> Got him backwards there for a second. I work because I want to, not because I have mm-hmm. to. And so being able to kind of put your own timeline on that. You know, I, if you'd have asked me when I started my new money habits about seven years ago ish, nine years ago, nine years ago, um, I'd have told you that I would really like to be quote retired by 55. Mm-hmm. I'm working only because I want to, and not because I have to by 55. I now 13 years away from that. I don't know how realistic that that still is. I'm I'm working towards it, but anyway, mm-hmm. that I just love the idea of reverse engineering. Like, figure out mm-hmm. what your goal is, and then kind of work your way backwards. How are you going to achieve it? Um, mm-hmm. I know for us, I will share this. For us, it means one of the things. As much as I've been tempted time and time again, one of the things that my wife and I have decided needs to happen in order for 55 to be a financial freedom excursion is we don't leave this house mm. that the mortgage on this house is so low. We, we owe less than a hundred thousand dollars at this point. We'll have it paid mm-hmm. off well before I'm 55. So why would I blow up the dream mm-hmm. for to, to scratch an itch that I have? Mm-hmm. No, thank you. You know, it's funny that, um, you know, when James, that's my husband, when we met, you know, he always joked, he said, I'm going to be, he said, Sarah, the kids are going to be gone right into college. He said, we can, I'm going to be retired by the time I'm 42. said, I'm going to be retired. He goes, I'm going to be sitting on a patio. No joke. He said, I'm going to be sitting on a patio underneath the misters, drinking a beer in Arizona at 42. And I'll be gosh darn, you know, our, if we're not that close, right? Like we're, <laughs> we're, we're in a fifth wheel, but you know, it's, it's funny. And this goes back to what we talked about at a, at um, a previous, in a previous episode that sometimes when you're just taking the steps, right. And you're just working along some of those things, they fall into place. You know, he put that out there. He said it. And did we really think he was going to be retired when we moved here? Cause we are in Arizona currently um, nine months ago. That wasn't the plan, but the plan has changed, right? And we decided, why the heck not, right? And so our plan changed. And so then our future, you know, things change and you can feel free to make those adjustments. But 
you know, it feels pretty darn good to have him say that, you know, um, 17, 18 years ago. Right. And through almost two, you know, um, near divorces, um, and a lot of arguing and a lot of financial stress and a lot of, you know, our, our full financial journey from, you know, a lot of debt to get debt free minus the mortgage was 12 years. You know, that that's a long time to be working at something. And most of that time we did it arguing. It wasn't until we got going on better communication that things really started making a, a change, you know, that we really started seeing long-term effects of, of better communication. Um, and even to that point, so after we started having these conversations, you know, and this is um, probably one of my favorites, but how can we use our strengths to reach our goals? Mm-hmm. That was a big one for me because what I found that I wanted him to be way more involved in the budgeting and the debt payoff in the process of it than he ever cared to be. And it caused a lot of arguments and a lot of stress between us because I, you know, I hear some of these gurus out there, right? They say everybody has to be, you know, oh, you and your spouse, you have to be on the same page and you have to do all of this together and da 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 da. And when I heard that, what I thought was, we both had to be putting in equal efforts to writing the budget. We had to go, mm-hmm. you know, when I learned what our strengths were and where, what part of it, uh, what part of the process he really wanted to be involved in, it made things so much easier. And quite frankly, like, why did I try? I was trying to force something that didn't want to be forced. It's like putting a, you know, yeah. uh, a, a round screw in a square hole. Like it doesn't fit right and so Mm -hmm. um i just i love using these questions um to help Mm -hmm. open up different types of communication um when we're talking with our spouses our partners yeah i want to give another example of um what you had just mentioned about like what does it really mean for spouses to be on the same page Mm because while i do believe um things are just going to go a lot easier when your spouse can be your accountability partner. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're, they're a little bit more in the background, like just let me know what I need to do, et cetera, et cetera. So I was working um, with a a woman uh, a few years back where when she and I connected um, it was, she was in charge of the finances and um, her husband was not likely to ever, you know, sit on one of the the calls with us as we were kind of going through the plan, mm-hmm. creating a plan and executing the plan. But he was supportive enough where it was, Hey, like I support you meeting with a financial coach and figuring out what the plan is. And then just kind of let me know what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, whatever we need to do, you know, just communicate with me what it is that we need to do and I'll, I'll support it and I'll do it. And so it just reminds me of a couple of things. One here at new money habits, we believe in accountability partners, accountability mm-hmm. partners are huge. And when that can be your spouse, great. <clears throat> but when it can't, then if it can be a friend or some other loved one, mm-hmm. awesome. And then if not a financial coach, you know, there's right. no, uh, no shame in sitting down and, 
you know, getting help in an area where I have a lot of passion. I'm going to get like really worked up here for a moment, but <laughs> I have a lot of passion around the fact that the education system failed you. And for most of us, our parents didn't teach us how to manage money mm-hmm. either. So sitting down with somebody else, having an accountability partner to help you determine how to best manage your money. There's no shame in doing that. And so, um, you know, when, when your accountability partners can be your spouse, great. When it can't, mm-hmm. financial coaches like Sarah, myself, and others are available. I cannot agree with that more. You know, there was a time where, um, and you know, I say sometimes, you know, you know, I think we could have been, and we are now, my husband and I, accounted, but we didn't know how to be at that point, right? And so mm. had I even known at that time that coaches were available, right? I was too, quite frankly, I was too ashamed to to say anything to any of my friends to, you know, um, I certainly wasn't going to tell my parents, um, you know, and it goes, you know, I could go on and on. There was a lot of other mm-hmm. deep seated stuff that I had been dealing with, um, you know, that I had never dealt with quite frankly. Right. And so it kept coming up. And so I had buried a lot of stuff just in, in my own past and oh, money, um, money behaviors and money mindsets started developing. Right. And, we're getting worse. And so I've said, if I knew coaches were available and this isn't necessarily, if I knew coaches were available when I was going through some of the struggles, when my husband and I, I would have absolutely reached out just to give some guidance, right. To look, you know, because we weren't on the same page and it certainly wasn't, um, I didn't feel like it wouldn't have torn us apart. It really could have helped me to better communicate with him so I could understand where he was coming from more. Right. So yeah. it could open up some communication a little bit um, differently for us. Yeah. And how powerful, how powerful to, to get to a place where your partner really is your safe place. You, your safe mm. spot in, in all things, right. We shouldn't keep finances as the barrier um, in our, in our household, you know, it really should be something that we can communicate and we learn how to communicate through. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't believe that this is a topic that's talked about quite frankly anywhere. Um, so I'm happy that we're talking about it today because I just don't see it out. Um, I see a lot of other things, but I don't see this, this specific topic out there. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for any of our listeners who've never sat down with a financial coach and you're kind of like, what would that even look like? This is where a lot of the conversation starts. So mm-hmm. whether you are a couple and only one of you is going to show up to the, the coaching session or you, you show up together or you're an individual, it's it's about talking about and communicating about money. Um, so especially when you're in a relationship, a lot of where I start with my clients is how do you guys communicate about money? What mm-hmm. What conversations have you had? What agreements do you have? And where do you guys differ in opinion? Mm-hmm. And so it like this, this point, this, this, um, <clears throat> this piece of money management where you're communicating mm-hmm. about how money works and, and your money situation is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's often the starting point. And then from there you can put together a game plan. That's when you can sit down and actually prepare a budget because now you're communicating about it in ways that you just simply never have before. And again, not necessarily by any fault of your own. 
Who's right. ever sat down and told you to do this stuff? <laughs> right. I, I and and that's that's exactly why I have the conversations, right? Because I want to be able to give people these tools. You know, I want mm-hmm. the tools to be out there and available and um you know, when we started asking these questions just in my, you know, in our own household, you know, things did change. And, you know, there were periods of time where, you know, I simply said, you know, this is important to me right now. You know, my husband wanted to do something different. I'll tell you, um, there was a specific time. Um, he bought a new motorcycle, right? And I wanted the basement finished in the house. And this, um, this was a pretty, pretty touchy piece, um, you know, in our marriage. And, um, but you know, what I, what I did was I just told him, you know, why is the basement finish? Why is that important to me? Right. Really explaining. It's not that I just want to spend money and finish our basement, but why is that important to me? What does it do for our family in my opinion? Right. And, and Mm -hmm. when we had that conversation, now he did get the motorcycle. He did because that was important to him. And it did not come without arguments. I'll be the first to admit, you know, we had arguments over it. But the point is, is that we worked through some of that and we understood where the other one was coming from. And um, then we got the basement finished. And, you know, in the end, it all worked out because we understood where the other one, what was important to them at the time and what they needed. Mm -hmm. And if, if, Listeners, if you don't take anything else from this conversation, I really would like for it to be that when you have a different type of money conversation, it allows you to see into your partner a little bit differently and to really see where they're coming from and how they see themselves with money and what's really important to them. And um, I think it's powerful. I think it's powerful. Yeah, Yeah, I want to say that uh, in a little bit of a different way just to kind of really drive home the point because what you said there was really important and that is it's not enough to know what they want you really need to understand why it's important so you wanted the basement the basement was what why Mm -hmm. you wanted the basement was much more important than what you wanted and Mm -hmm. so when you are sitting down with your significant other and you're having these conversations Really try to focus on why instead of just what. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I'm guilty of the. I don't. I'm. I. I'm not somebody who has an addictive personality, so I don't really have a go-to. I don't drink coffee every day. I don't really consume alcohol even socially. I. I just. Like I, sometimes I struggle with what, what am I addicted to? Um, Cause I imagine everybody's got an addiction to something. I just can't pinpoint what mine is. So uh, if anybody out there listening has picked up on it already, feel free to tell me. But so my point being is sometimes I st- really struggle to empathize with mm-hmm. why do we need to get a cup of coffee or why this or why that? And um, what I've kind of learned is even though I was asking myself, why do we need to do it? I wasn't really focusing in on why, mm. um, I was focusing on the what, and I couldn't mm-hmm. understand the what. And so I would get <laughs> frustrated with the what, and when I started to understand the why, mm-hmm. I, you know, it allowed me to let go of 
some of that junk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, and you know, it's opened up our communication so much more that, that it's allowing us to be traveling more now, right? Because mm. we, we have gotten to the same, we've gotten to the point where we know what is important to each of us. And I believe that that's a skill that, you know, we talk, you know, um, I do a lot, I guess, on, you know, building the habits, not for the meantime, but for a lifetime, Mm -hmm. right? We want to build skills. And that's what I love about new money habits, that it really is new money habits, right? We're creating habits that are going to last forever. And part of this conversation and learning how to communicate effectively with our spouse or our partner um, is something that will last you forever. And it's vital. It's mm-hmm. vital. Yeah, it was, it, it, that's kind of a natural segue. I was going to, I was going to try to find a place to segue anyway, but it's kind of a natural segue. <laughs> when you have these conversations with your partner and they start to last a lifetime, mm-hmm. it means you're now prepared to have them with the next generation. And so mm-hmm. not only is having these money conversations with your accountability partner or your spouse incredibly important, mm-hmm. but it builds up the muscle to have really good conversations about money with your children. And hopefully I think I can probably speak for any parent out there listening to this podcast anyway, that you want better for your child than you mm-hmm. had for yourself. Absolutely. And when that's the case, if you are learning how to communicate about money, which is incredibly difficult to do at first, but once you do it, I mean, we sit on a podcast and we talk about money for, you know, hours on end. Uh, we do this with clients all the time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just short of going to up to somebody I don't know and asking them how much money they make, I'm very comfortable <laughs> asking right. people about their financial situation. But imagine, just think about how it prepares you to have better fiscal conversations with your kids when you kind of crack the code yourself and how much better prepared can you help them be when they enter into the world in which I'm guessing you didn't get a lot of coaching from anywhere on how to manage money. And now you have an ability to really change that for your children. It's, it's important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, think about, you know, I think about what I always said, after I started becoming an adult, right. And getting ready to move out on my own. I I looked at my parents and I looked at the rest of my family and said, I'm never going to be like that. Right. Because I, I learned some money skills, but a lot of them I didn't, I didn't like, I I watched a lot of struggles and you know, I I won't go into all of that here. I learned a lot of what not to do. Right. And, um, but you know, and this is one of my big things, you know, I talk to clients a lot. Um, and even, you know, I've, I've, had conversations with my children who are both adults now and out on their own. And, and, um, you know, I have called them and told them, you know, and apologized for some of the Mm -hmm. things that happened around money when they were growing up. And, um, because I didn't know the language, I didn't understand at that time, the language that I was using, how much it negatively affected them 
right going forward mm. and and some of the money fights that James and I had and you know being divorced my children had two households right of very different financial values and um goals and and so you know I I will do a quick plug, you know, very proud mama here because, um, both of my children use budgets now, um, <laughs> which I did not force them to do. I tried for years to try and have those conversations and to sit down with them and, you know, they learned on their own, but a part of that learning it right is seeing their parents, seeing the influences in their lives and how are things working, right? What are they yeah. able to do? And my husband and I have talked a lot to the kids about not even talking to them, but they see it, right? Why are we able to do this fifth wheel in this RV thing? It's expensive. It's not any yeah. cheaper than living in a home. Quite frankly, it's probably more expensive. Oh, and wow. so, um, you know, it's the kids see that, right? And we have conversations. And I love that, that it gives us the, the tools to be able to pass on to the next generation. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, my kids, they call and they're like, mom, we need to go over the budget. You know, can you help me walk through some of this? And, um, incredible. That's such an, we're creating our legacy, right? And, yeah. and what we do is getting passed down to our children. And, and I, I just want you to think about how you grew up, what your parents did is probably what their parents did and the generation before mm -hmm. them. Right. And, and, um, you have the ability to create something new going forward. You don't have yeah. to carry on all those generational traumas going forward. Um, so may I ask, you mm -hmm. You said that you had to call the kids and kind of apologize. And, mm -hmm. and it's because of some of the language that they heard that, mm -hmm. that um, might have uh, had a negative impact. Mm -hmm. Do you mind me asking for an example or two? Mm -hmm. Um, I might even cry on this because this is, it's still a tough one. Um, all the time I said, we can't afford it. And I said, no, I can't afford it. No, we're broke. And mm -hmm. oftentimes it was because when they were asking to go get ice cream, my kids loved ice cream. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is where the priorities, you know, and what's important Right. And, and when we're putting together our plan, you know, on our budgets, um, how we really have an opportunity to, to build it to what's important. And I told my kids no to, you know, we could have gone to, you know, one of the fast food joints, right. And paid a dollar for a cone, but right. I didn't look at it that way. I always told them, no, we can't afford it. No, we're broke. No, 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 we can't afford it. No, we're broke. And that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. And, you know, both the kids, they're, you know, very loving. They're like, no, mom, we're in, we understand. And like, you know, thank you for saying that. But, you know, here's where I want to change it. I didn't prioritize some of that. And did, yeah. could we have, did we need to go every day? No. But could I have absolutely put into the budget some entertainment funds or some ice cream monies? right? For, yeah. to take them once a week, I could have. Um, yeah. and that plays into a lot of the, the scarcity mindset that I was living with. And, and, um, so it goes, it, it goes into a lot of other things, but, um, 
broken, um, no, we can't afford it. No, we don't have the money for that. When they would yeah. see us spending money on other things. So. I do appreciate you sharing that. Um, right. Because as a parent now, like I'm starting to understand too, like the, the impact that mm-hmm. our words, our attitude, mm-hmm. our mood, all of those things, they have, they have a longer lasting impact than we might realize sometimes. And then mm-hmm. sometimes you have some great kids who are like, we, we totally understand, <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that you felt a little guilty or just um, mm-hmm. less than stellar about it. So I appreciate you sharing that. Sure. And I think, you know, it, it affected them at the time, you know, they're very gracious now and saying, Oh, it's okay, mom. <laughs> but, but being able to go back and have the conversation with them later on and say, this is why, you know, because I didn't, I was working on healing my, my own money wounds, right. And my own money mindset. And it gives them then the freedom, I believe and the safe place to say, you know what, I've got some of my own that I need to work yeah. on. Yeah. Right. And being open to say, listen, this is something that I recognized that wasn't great. And so it just, again, it opens up a different type of conversation with your children and it it gives them the safe place to be able to share things that maybe did affect them. Yeah. Right. And then what can they do going forward? Yeah. Speaking of uh, kind of changing the legacy for the next generation, I have a proud parent moment and stop me if, uh, if I shared this already. Um, but, uh, my daughter had a birthday recently and mm-hmm. she's at that age where, um, there's more cash than, than, <laughs> uh, gifts often. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, she, she kind of made out she, like about $200 or so. Wow. And so how come that doesn't happen to us adults? Can I just say, how come adults don't get that? (laughs) Okay. Sorry. I digress. Cash only for my next cash only for my next birthday. please. (laughs) Right. Um, So I, and I've, I've been kind of waiting for this moment and I've been wondering like, what would I do? How would I, how would I, for lack of a better term, coach her through, (laughs) you know, Hmm. having uh, that kind of money. So it just kind of hit me in the moment. I, I said, you know, uh, I kind of congratulated or whatever. And I said, I want you to think about for a moment, if, if I gave you a dollar, if I gave you a dollar right now, um, I want you to just think about how much of that dollar would you want to put into savings? How much of that dollar would you want to put into some type of investment? And how much of it would you want to spend? And she did not take very long at all to reply. And she said, I want to put 50 cents into savings. I want to put 25 cents into investing and I would want to spend a quarter. And I said, well, can we apply these percent? Let's, I said, let's apply these percentages to the $200. And so it would mean putting a hundred dollars into savings it would mean putting $50 into an investment. And we've already talked a little bit about what investments are. That's why at 12, she, mm-hmm. she knew what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and it would mean $50 for spending. And I said, what do you think about that? And she took a moment or two and she was, she was processing. She's like, well, $50 is a lot of money to spend. So that's, mm-hmm. that's enough. And she's like, and 
$100 in savings would go a long way to helping me to like save to buy something else in the future if I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she's like, in $50 investing, she's like, well, dad, you said that investments can go up, but sometimes they can go down. So I wouldn't want to put more than $50 because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to lose it, but then it could make me money. So that's, and so I said, are you okay? Like, is that what you want to do? You want to put a hundred in the savings, 50 in investing and 50 in spending. She's like, yeah, let's do that. At wow. 12. That's amazing. And, and because you're using I the right language with her, right? You're having these conversations and she hears you and wow. Yes. Wow. Right. And so talk about like putting the next generation on a better path because now all I can think about is if she can hold to those percentages when she gets her first job and she gets her first Mm -hmm. paycheck and when that paycheck's $200 and she tells herself 50 is enough to spend and 100 is going to go into savings and I'm going to invest 50. Like if this is something that she can carry forward. Yeah. You know, but nobody had this conversation with me at that age. So it is really about just mm-hmm. opening up and, and talking about how money works and how to manage it well. I love it. I love it. That's uh, that's pretty incredible. And because she knew what these, she knew what savings was. She knew what investments, right? It goes back to hearing you talk about these things, right? And having conversations yeah. with her and probably your wife and clients even, you know, and so mm-hmm. she's, She's getting all this language um, that is really serving her in a way that's long-term. It's not going to be foreign to her. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, And it made me think too. So my little guy, he's eight. And one of his favorite things to do is to sit down in front of the computer with dad and, and, and do dad's work with him. And so <laughs> whether that means I'm writing copy or what editing a video, whatever, he wants a little, a hand in everything that I'm doing. Even when I'm sitting down at the computer to pay the bills, hmm. dad, are you paying the bills? Can I help you pay the bills? <laughs> oh. And so it just, it opens us up to have an age appropriate conversation about, you know, like he understands what a mortgage is. He understands that mm-hmm. that I have to pay money every single month for the loan that the bank gave to me so that I could buy the house. And so I'll even ask them from time to time, like, whose house is this? Like, it's our house, but the bank gave you the money. So if we never paid it back, <laughs> like they like they understand foreclosure. They're right. twelve and eight. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> In a, in, yeah, and at least in a healthy way. They don't know. They right. don't understand foreclosure because we've been through it. They understand, oh, okay, bank gave you money. You have to pay it back. You have this much time to do so. This is how much it, it costs you, all that stuff. So yeah, just have conversations about this stuff. I mean, I, I get it. I'm a big nerd, and <laughs> nobody else likes to talk about this stuff as much as I do, except for Sarah Jones from <laughs> Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. But if your kids are taking an interest in the things that you're doing and what you Mm -hmm. just happen to be doing is paying the bills right then and there, take a moment, you know, I I didn't sit down and give them the whole shebang in in one, one sitting. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit here, a little bit there, but now they understand it. You know, and we just went this past weekend with my daughter. She um, 
is moving out of dorms and going to need, um, you know, her own apartment, honestly. And so we went looking, touring some apartments with her and had the conversation. You know, I said, now this one's a little bit more expensive. This one's a little bit less, but you're going to be driving more. So how does this work out in your budget? Are you going to be able to be a full-time student and, you know, with part-time hours, you know, how, how is this all working out? And she's like, yes, this is the max. And, you know, they do, you know, they pick up on so many things, you know, our kids, um, my son's 22, he'll be 23 in June and my daughter's 19. She'll be 20 in September. And they pick up on things, you know, and when you're Mm -hmm. showing them and having those open conversations and quite honestly, showing them that this isn't taboo, right. That we should be having these conversations, like let's, let's, um, normalize it they pick up on so much of this that they're more likely to have other conversations. And when something, um, you know, maybe they hear friends that are struggling, they're going to be able to have some open conversations and create a a safe place for their friends to talk. Right. And to share maybe what's going on. And I think this is so much more than it's so much more than just creating a budget. You know, that's important, but it's so much more. Um, and gosh, I love talking about it. I love it. Yeah. As do I. But I think that kind of brings us to our time today. Hmm. I think it's been a great conversation. I think I, I want to thank you for sharing your conversation starters earlier hmm. in the episode um, and, and really giving our listeners a starting point, you know, questions to ask their spouse or their accountability partner. Um, you know, so thank you again for sharing that. Really appreciate Mm -hmm. it. You're welcome. I think, you know what, let's get it out there. Let's help create some new conversations out there and, um, take some of the stress away from talking about our money. Absolutely. I feel less stress from, uh, (laughs) when we first started the conversation, you know, so (laughs) hope our listeners do as well. Um, I just want to remind everybody that uh, if you are looking for tools and resources to help you to create uh, a plan and and to put that plan in place, you can visit our website at newmoneyhabits.com to do that. I want to remind you that in the show notes, uh, wherever you're listening to or watching this podcast, there are links to schedule uh, one-on-one coaching time with either Sarah or myself. Um, And so, you know, if you if you're listening to this particular episode and you're thinking, boy, they're right. You know, nobody has sat down mm-hmm. and really taught me these things. Um, I'm not exactly sure what conversations to have and whatnot. You know, feel free to click that link and schedule some time mm-hmm. with Sarah or myself. Um, you know, I, I often liken financial coaching to phys- physical trainers, where it's like. Mm-hmm. We all know that if we exercise and eat differently, we'll achieve some goals. But uh, when you can sit down with a pro who knows exactly what they're doing and and kind of can map things out for you step by step, you'll get better results faster. So consider doing that. Mm -hmm. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week, and we will continue the conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits Podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. 
Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.